This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand, fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. We're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello to Lombard's 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got to Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for her treatment, man. It's time to get the rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that improved its draft stock at its pro day. That means it's time for the debate brought to you by CampusToCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace back from his mission trip in the squalor. That is Columbus, Ohio, and I'm Felix Sharp on a dazzling version of tonight's show. What is the domino effect of the 49ers trade up to number three? Georgia wide receivers are dropping like flies, and the Debbie Debate crew heads to Fantasy's court. But we start with the silly season. That is the lead-up to the NFL draft. Reports are that the San Francisco 49ers have traded up to number three, not for Justin Fields, not for Trey Lance, but for one-time Kentucky commit, one Michael McCorkle Jones. That's right. Austin, tell me we're in the the twilight zone. Yeah, I learned when I was looking up, like working on my show sheet or my show notes here tonight, that that was Mac Jones' actual name. I I had no idea that his name was Michael McCorkle. I don't know if that bumps him up my board or down my board or or what I do with that information. Yeah, I mean, we were chatting about this earlier. I don't ever want to hear somebody say, you know, they use the comeback on Twitter again that you know us as people on Twitter know are worse off than some of these NFL GMs. I mean, at best, we're all just guessing, right? And that's never been more apparent than hearing that a team wanted to trade up to number three to take Mac Jones, uh, who I can't I can't ever imagine trading up for a quarterback with fewer traits that I would want in a quarterback besides the fact that he's smart. You know, that's just such a waste of draft capital. Like you have three first round picks to move up there. That that's that's a a career ender uh, for for those guys if he doesn't work out. Matt, I think you're next. Oh, my bad. Uh, I actually, I'm bumping him up because his middle name is McCorkle. He's going above Justin Fields now. I don't even care about Fields anymore. It's it's Zach Wilson, McCorkle, Justin Fields. I I I don't believe it. So to me, it no, we're not in the twilight zone. I, I think all this uh, hype about them going to his pro day is overrated. Uh, if you guys looked. Uh, there was a story floating out there that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had already been to a QB camp that had Justin Fields at it. They already had their scouting report done on him. So they go to Mac Jones to do their homework on him. It makes a it makes a ton of sense. You go and you do all your homework on every single quarterback. They were at Zach Wilson's pro day, I believe. They were at Trey Lance's. I know that for sure. They go to Mac Jones, get all your homework done on every single quarterback. I, I agree with Austin. You don't trade up 
to number three, give up two first-round picks in the next two drafts to get Mac Jones only because I think you could have gotten Mac Jones where you already were. So I believe they were trading up to either get Fields or Lance. In my opinion, it's Fields. But, I, yeah, I don't think that they're trading up to get Mac Jones. Listen, I, I have been the biggest, you know, you can call me a Bustin Fields hater, but hold the phone. I mean, he has some flaws. Not as good at improvising as you would think for a player and an athlete of his caliber. He's a perfectionist. Causes him to be slower with his reaction time. That's according to Jordan Reed of the ja- of the Draft Network. Has done some really good work on Justin Fields, and he he plays the game as though he wants to prove that he's a passer and not a runner. And the argument that he should be QB two because he's always been QB two. That just isn't persuasive. All of that said, his accuracy is outstanding. His size adjusted athleticism is outstanding. And as I have commented on this show plenty of times, even though Bruning will not give me credit for it, his, the, the, the thing that I am most impressed by with Justin Fields is his leadership. It's the leadership on that team and the leadership that he showed being the face of college football with the We Want to Play campaign. There is no chance that San Francisco is trading up to get Matt Jones over Justin Fields. That There's just no chance that that happens. Zilch, zero. If they do, if San Francisco <laughs> takes Matt Jones over Justin Fields, I'll do this show wearing an Ohio State hat. One show. I'll do one show wearing an Ohio State hat. I don't really feel threatened. That's a lot tamer than what I thought was about to come out of your mouth as to what What you were going to do. What were you going to say? What did you think I was going to say? I don't know, but it wasn't that. (laughs) I mean, that's for, I mean, you know, Bruning agreed to sing the Michigan fight song. So I figured I'll throw this out there and I'll, uh, I'll wear an Ohio State hat for at least a show. Um, I Burning, as you said, I don't care that Shanahan and Lynch went to Michael McCorkle's pro day. You mentioned that, that, that QB camp that they went to, there's part, there's some sort of like collective or quarterback organization that they're a part of. RJ Young talked about it yesterday uh, on his show. Um, and, and they, those guys, they know each other already. I don't really care where, where, if they were uh, at the pro day or not, as a matter of fact, if I didn't want Justin Fields, the last place I would be at is if I wanted Justin Fields, excuse me, the last place I'd be is at his pro day. The last place I would be was at his pro day. I mean, we've seen enough from Justin Fields. I don't need to be at his pro day to know what he can do. We have a another guest on the show today. Um, very happy to have Matt Jackson. He's a ranker at Dynasty Nerds. He co-hosts the Debbie Happy Hour with Skip Newton. A good friend of mine. He's at the fantasy of does Debbie work at the fantasy authority also. Mr. Jackson, Kyle Shanahan traded up to number three to take Michael McCorkle Jones. What's your reaction to that? Man, I don't buy it at all. When you when you look at what they gave up, the price they had to pay to move up and get those picks, when you're gonna draft a quarterback that you could get at the spot that you are at. You don't pull off that kind of trade. You don't give up that kind of firepower to pick the safe quarterback in this draft. I mean, you you look at Mac Jones. He hasn't faced pressure all that much. I mean, we don't know how he's going to react when he gets NFL blitzes thrown at him. Um, he throws a beautiful deep ball. He's got pretty great block, ball placement and accuracy, but you don't give up that kind of firepower to go up and get the safe pick in this draft. I mean – I I think with beyond a shadow of a doubt that that pick is either going to be Justin Fields or it's going to be Trey Lance. I mean, I don't know how you don't pick a quarterback with that upside when you're looking to change the face of your franchise and get somebody better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not doing it. I don't know how you're going to give up the heat, the, the, the bad picks that they gave up to go and get Matt Jones to say that he's going to do it. I just I don't see it. I don't understand it. That's what I was thinking is like, how are you going to give up on Jimmy Garoppolo to trade up for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, at like that's like maybe at his ceiling, Jimmy Garoppolo is within Mac Jones's range, range of outcomes. I don't know that. Does anybody think that he could be a better quarterback than than Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, that seems to be where he would end up. Austin, 
I mean, his ceiling, yeah, is like Derek Carr or, you know, if you put him in an offense where he throws a ton of times every year, like Carr did this past year or two years ago or whatever it was, he had his big fantasy year, then yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's the modern NFL, you know, you can't touch the wide receivers and you can't kill the quarterback. So, you know, I would never count him out to have at least one or two really good years, but he's not the kind of guy where I, I'm like, you know, building an NFL team or, you know, a dynasty team around him. But, you know, just on another thing, are the San, San Francisco's roster rounded out well enough that like the quarterback is the only thing they're missing? Like that was the other thought I had when I was when that, that happened. Like they're 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 losing some pieces on defense just because they're getting squeezed out based on cap. You know, I like their offensive weapons a lot. Their line is fine. I don't think it's you know amazing or anything. So I like I I'm not sure that I even thought that they were a quarterback away anyway. Like if that was even a smart move to give up that much, but. Well, we'll see what happens uh, there. That that 49ers trade, I feel like it's going to create a domino effect. Effect, Matt, we've got five quarterbacks that I believe who will end up in the first round. And I think when it's all said and done, that we're going to see five quarterbacks potentially go with the first five picks. Right now, that draft order is Jacksonville, New York, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Cincinnati. Now, Atlanta just re-signed Matt uh, Ryan to an extension, a long extension. I could still see Atlanta taking a quarterback, especially if if there is a young franchise quarterback available, you have to take them. I think that there are at least four in this draft class. That's, I mean, unheard of. I think that Atlanta could take a quarterback. And if Cincinnati is smart, they I, I think that they want Penny Sewell, but they should trade down to whoever wants that fifth that 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 fifth quarterback to to uh to take that fifth QB. So I think that the first five picks are going to be quarterbacks. Do you agree? Where do you see the remaining four landing after Trevor Lawrence is taken number 1? So we know Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. That's out the window now. I mean, no one's no one's going to argue that. We all know where he's going. He's going to Jacksonville. Um I can see where you're coming from where, you know, the first five picks could potentially be quarterbacks because we haven't seen this type of quarterback talent come in and the amount of first round picks that we're going to see in, in quite a long time. But I just don't see it happening. I could see Atlanta riding with Matt Ryan a few more years, um, possibly taking somebody like I've seen Kyle Pitts mock to him a lot. I mean, to get that playmaker on that type of offense would be fits for defensive coordinators. And I don't see a situation where, you know, the Cincinnati trades down when Panay Sewell is staring them in the face. Now, if they can trade down and pick up a guy like Rashawn Slater, and still boister that line and protect Joe Burrow, that might be beneficial to him. But, I mean, you've got to protect Burrow. He he suffered that gruesome injury in the pocket. You've got to get him some blindside help and protect the face of your franchise because if they can get him up, keep him upright, he's going to be dangerous. So, I mean, Carolina, you look at Carolina, Carolina could be a potential trade-up target. I also like New England to possibly sneak up. You could have maybe Denver to sneak up if they want to pay enough for pay enough to, to move up. So, I mean, you got some teams that can potentially move up, but – I just I don't see the first five picks, especially with the the top heaviness of offensive tackle, wide receivers, Jamar Chase going in the first in the early first round. I mean, there's just so many variables. I don't see the top five quarter five quarterbacks going off in the top five picks. Austin, I mean, one domino that's going to fall is Sam Darnold. Whether or not he's going to stay with the Jets or be somewhere else, how do you see that situation playing out? Yeah, I think they move him on draft day. I'm not sure what they're going to get, though. I saw that article came out, what, yesterday or two days ago or something uh, where somebody had had interviewed some NFL front office people, and they said that they thought the best they'd get for him is like a third rounder, and even that might be a little bit rich because, I mean, you you kill your leverage as soon as you make that second pick. So if they want to maximize leverage, I think they have to get rid of it before then. But at the same time, you know, everybody knows that they're taking a quarterback there. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about that at this point, that they've made it pretty pretty well known. I would love to have him in Pittsburgh. If he's still that's why I threw that. That's why I yeah. threw the question to you is because I mean I think that that would be a perfect spot for him. Yeah, I mean even if he's never great, I think he's at least already better than everybody else besides Ben we have on the roster. And Ben only has one year left. You know they set that contract up to cut him after this year. I think he's significantly better than Mason Rudolph. And you know, I think Haskins could do maybe some things in the league, but I I still I I would take Darnold over Haskins every day of the week. So if I was the Steelers, you know, I'd, I'd be fine making some sort of – I think we have two-fourths, if I remember correctly, and I think I would try to trade the earlier of those two on draft day and see if you can get them with that pick. I think that would be a solid move for all parties. 
Well, I, I want to stay there for a minute. You get Sam Darnold and he takes over for Ben Roethlisberger, let's say next year. Does that help um, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool? Does it? Do they maintain their value if Sam Darnold is the quarterback, or does it increase their value? How does it? How does it affect their value if Sam Darnold's the quarterback? I don't know. We haven't. <clears throat> I, I haven't watched. You know the Jets necessarily enough to know whether Darnold has a tendency. You know, a, does he favor the slot? Does he like you know? Does he really like to push the ball downfield? Because it's not like that offense has exactly been stacked around him to to help him and and kind of figure those things out. I don't think it would hurt their value at all. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest Deontay guy in the world. We we might have just seen his best season of his career just because of the, the volume that he got. But I I can't imagine that that he would be any worse for their value than Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or whatever other guy we try to to bring bring in this offseason. So I, I, the coaches and everything, everybody were at Texas A and M. I'm really hoping it wasn't for Kellen Mond because um, I, I mean I'd rather have Darnold than Kellen Mond. So I mean I mean I, I think he would help all of their values to be honest. Uh, Bruning Jackson mentioned a couple of teams, uh, New England, um, Carolina, that could potentially trade up to that number four, number five spot. Are those the teams that you could see trading up or are there somebody that we're missing? No, I think those are the, the two biggest ones, especially if obviously San Francisco goes fields or Lance, then I do think Carolina tries to move up probably into that four spot. Because I think Atlanta has so many needs outside of just really. I mean, I do think they need a future quarterback, but offensive line help. They need defensive help bad. They can get a couple picks, drop back with Carolina. They move up, take Trey Lance. Uh, you know, I, I've said many times I thought Zach Wilson would be a great land to go there, but I don't think he falls past the Jets now with all the rumors we're hearing. So, I mean, I, I just I don't think New England does it because they've just never really done it. So it, it would be very shocking to me to see them dr- to trade up to try and get a guy like Trey Lance. Um, you know, maybe Chicago. I mean, we've seen them stupidly move up like six picks, I think is what it was back when they took Mitch Trubisky at two. Maybe they they was it one? They only moved up one spot. They gave all that for one spot. Okay, that's I think I, I think they gave it all for one spot. Yeah, that makes it even worse. So I can see them very stupidly trading like the next six years first round picks to move up from where are they at now twenty to five or whatever four to go up and get a Trey Lance, which I still think would be great for their franchise. They'd be screwed in the long term. But uh, outside of really Carolina, I just I don't think Denver does it. So outside of Carolina, maybe Chicago. Uh, Chicago's a good one. Funny thing is, I don't think that we see um, Carolina trade up if Mac Jones is the last one available. I mean, that that I mean, so far I think that that team has made good decisions, and I just don't that it, trading up for Mac Jones does not appear to be a good decision, at least in my opinion. All right, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in co- the college football world uh, and football in general right now, even though it's March, about to be April. Uh, Austin, we had some big news in Georgia after having big news in Georgia last week. T- talk to us about Jermaine Burton. Yeah, I think Georgia fans are probably tired of big news at this point. You know, they, they'd rather have a, a quiet week here <clears throat> after after uh, yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I think we all know by now George Pickens, torn ACL. We're all saying he's out for the season. You know, I whether he, he he misses everything or not, I think is still up for debate a little bit. But, you know, major- he's going to miss the majority of the season at best. And Jermaine Burton, who was supposed to kind of be the replacement as their alpha uh, outside receiver, uh, went down in practice yesterday, carted off the field, and rumors spread really quickly that it was another out for the season type of deal. Sounds like he only hyperextended his knee, so that usually means no structural damage, uh, anything like that. So we are hoping that that is the case. I, I haven't heard like you know any firm confirmation on that. If he does go down, though, like I know this is just a little bit of an, a news bit here, but if you look at the rest of that depth chart, you know, I do think that Georgia is one of the schools out there that is best equipped to deal with losing a wide receiver or two on the outside. Uh, but you're really it's, it, the question mark was really big there because you have Kiara Jackson in the slot. He can't play outside, in my opinion. Then you have Dominic Blaylock, two straight seasons ended with significant knee injury. Marcus Roseme pulled a DAC at the end of last year with his ankle. Not sure what he looks like in 2021. You have Arian Smith, who's a speedster, rec- recruiting pedigree. I'm not sure he's an alpha, though. You know, Justin Robinson, 6'4", 220. Felix would probably love him. He's in that Troy O'Meary, you know, level, you know, stylistically of player. But Raw, second-year guy, I'm not sure he's ready. 
a couple three-star true freshmen, and then Demetrius Robertson, who is probably the biggest disappointment in college football. So, you know, we, we do have to hope that Burton comes back because I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of potential there, but I'm not sure that anybody really can fill that void like those, those two guys that, they, that they've lost probably can. Austin, I'm gonna, let's project to 2023. What is Burton's ceiling in the NFL? Do, does, do you think that he could be, you know, a DJ Moore type who's a little bit smaller but still a primary receiver? Or is he better profiled as a number two that can stretch the field? I, I need to see another year out of him because he did have that huge game, but he was pretty quiet outside of that, you know. And I am hoping that JT Daniels, they're saying he looks a lot better this uh, spring. They were saying last year like he was still walking around with a limp. He was really not all the way back. Um, so I think with a healthy JT Daniels and if Burton plays this year, I really am interested to see what he can do. I do think I, I have him graded as like a wide receiver too right now. But, you know, at true freshman year, a lot can change before 2023, 2024, whenever he decides to come out. Jackson, what do you, what do you think uh, Burton's upside is? Right now, I mean, day two. Um, is is a ceiling that I see right now. I mean, you've got that big game that Austin talked about, but outside of that one massive blow up game, I mean, he hasn't hasn't really done much. Now with Pickens with the torn ACL, if he if you know Burton's able to come back and the injury is not as bad as we're as we're thinking it is, you know, obviously that we're talking about, he might be able to have you know a higher ceiling than that and improve his draft stock a little bit. But as of right now, I need to see more. He's he's a day two cat for me right now. The other big news is obviously Taj Washington, who had a dynamic uh, freshman redshirt freshman season last year for um, uh, Memphis. Matt, where is he going and what are your expectations for him? So he entered the transfer portal last. um, When was it that he went in there? Just a couple days ago, wasn't it? Yeah, was it was within a week last last week? Yeah. And then within a week has already landed at USC. Uh, 743 yards and seven touchdowns last year for Memphis. Uh, I find it a little bit interesting that he's going to USC. Obviously, you've got Drake London, who many will, I think, probably give you as the best wide receiver on that roster. I really like Gary Bryant. I also do still like Brew McCoy a lot. I know Austin's not a big fan of, of Brew at the moment, but I still think he's good. So Taj goes in there. I just I don't know. Maybe he slides into to the X over over Joshua Jackson. I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would assume that's where he's going there for. I would imagine he goes there because he thinks he's going to get playing time. I don't know why he left. Why, I, I tried to look. I cannot see why he left Memphis overall. Maybe he just doesn't think they're – well, they're probably not going to be a good team this year. But I just – I don't see much for him. He's not someone that really excites me on that offense. I'm also someone who's much further down on Keaton Slovis than others. I've, I've got him, I believe, as my QB 15 right now in college. So I don't think him going there is going to help his value because he's getting Slovis at quarterback either. I still think the targets are going to go through London, Bryant, then McCoy. So I, I'm just not sure he has any real value. I don't know that Taj Washington is an ex. I think that the decision to transfer from Memphis to USC has everything to do with um, him thinking that it sets him up better for the NFL draft. I mean that I don't know that we have we seen of all of these these um, these transfer portals. I don't know that we've seen someone trade up from G five to Power five. Um, see, I don't think we ha- that. F- it feels like that's the first time we've we've seen that. Everyone else is either traded laterally or d- or down. So, um, just another reason to stay up and you know for these games starting at um t- t- ten ten Eastern sometimes for uh, for USC or or nine a.m. or or the nine a.m. Uh, Pacific time for those for those games that they started at noon last year. I, I really like that. They need to keep doing that. All right. I've been waiting for this segment. Um, Bruni, can I? We're doing fantasy court. Yeah. Bruni, can I? Can I? Can I throw it to you? Can you set it up? Can you handle it from here, Judge? 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 Can you handle it from here? I really don't want to do this. I'm only doing this because I saw Austin's crappy poll, and this is going to be freaking god awful. The people want it, Matt. The people want it. Okay. Oh, man. This is going to suck. I don't know how to do a southern accent. All right. God, this is going to be so bad. Can I can I take the camera off? Because I'm going to get like really red in the face here in a minute. Because I don't I don't like being embarrassed. All right, here we go. 
Fantasy Court is in session. Case number 21CR00693. In the matter of oops, I traded for David Moore, not DJ Moore. Before you, the Honorable Judge Matthew Devereux Bruding and Matthew Willie G. Jackson presiding. For the plaintiff, Austin Nace. Is that all I say? Yeah. And for the defense, Felix H. Sharp II. Will counsel identify themselves for the record? Austin, you go first. I don't. I don't ever. I don't ever go to court. Hi, I'm Austin. <laughs> Felix Sharp for the defendant, Your Honor. The case today: a person in your league accidentally trades for David Moore instead of DJ Moore. When the trade goes through, they realize what they have done. Do you overturn the trade? Yes or no? Your honors, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, to allow this trade to stand would be one of the biggest miscarriages of justice that the fantasy community has ever seen. And moreover, allowing bad faith maneuvers such as this one challenges the integrity of not only our leagues, but the relationships that we form within. Just a moment to lay out the facts here before us. The offerer in this instance sends out a trade offer to fellow owners in which he or she offered a D Moore Carolina for value commensurate with the young Panthers wide receiver. Another owner accepted. However, on closer examination, the deal did not involve DJ Moore, but recently signed David Moore, a low end fantasy wide receiver with virtually zero relevance. Both show as D Moore on the fantasy website and are virtually indistinguishable without further inspection. Offerer sent this deceptive offer with one goal in mind to dupe fellow managers into giving up something in exchange for less than what they thought they were receiving. The offerer knew that his fellow managers would see D Moore Carolina and assume, rightfully so, that the trade involved DJ Moore, the wide receiver who has been on the Panthers for three years at this point. Many managers are likely not even aware that another D Moore, David Moore, formerly of the Seahawks, signed with the Panthers this offseason. Should such ignorance be held against them? There is precedent to support a finding that a bad faith negotiation, and let me be clear, the above is a clear example of a bad faith negotiation, cannot stand and to allow this type of deal not only impacts the two managers of these teams but the league as a whole lopsided trades are bad for leagues this is a fact there is no argument about it they can shift the power in a league from one team to another sometime for years dj moore is 23 years old barring unforeseen injury or other circumstance he has five to seven years left of high-end productivity should those that have not negotiated in bad faith be damaged in such a way? The stakes are too high and the benefits of a free economy are too low to allow deals such as this to stand. I ask you to find in favor of my client and overturn this deal. Thank you very much. Oh, Mr. Ness. Or is it not? Oh, see, I just went British there. Not. Damn it. Very convincing evidence. Mr. Sharp, your rebuttal. Your honors, Mr. Nace, the facts of this case are simple and straightforward. One league, manner, one league manager offered a trade, a second league manager accepted. That's it. Regardless of the players involved or the managers, this was simply a trade. It happens every day in fantasy football. There's no allegation of collusion. There's no allegation of a violation of a league rule. My opponent has no objective leg to stand on in support of overturning this trade. Instead, he asks this court for a subjective application of fairness. That's a term that's incapable of consistent application in fantasy football leagues. Is it fair when the second highest scoring team just so happens to play the highest scoring team in a given week? Is it fair when league mates trade up in a draft to select a player that he or she knows 
the next team intended to take? Is it fair when higher scoring teams lose out to in the playoffs, lose playoff spots to teams that had better overall records? No, none of these things are fair. But the court should not get involved in subjective applications of fairness. Rather, the court should maintain its objectivity and enforce league rules. There is no league rule broken here. In fact, trading in the absence of collusion is permitted and encouraged by the league in order to foster activity and encourage engagement. The court cannot go down this slippery road of applying flimsy definitions of fairness to overturn trades that two consenting league managers agree to. For those reasons, I'd request that the court reject my opponent's request and uphold this trade. Very, very convincing, Mr. Sharp, and well delivered. Mr. Jackson, your final verdict. Gentlemen, what we have here is a case of league integrity versus failure to look at the details of said trade. It, it, it is up to a person that is accepting a trade to look at all the fine print of a trade before hitting the accept button or the decline button. They must, it, it, it is on them, it is on their team and their, their willingness to accept a trade or decline a trade based on the facts of the argument and the facts of the trade that, that is, that is on them as the general managers of said team. However, accepting a trade like this could potentially set the league back for potential years, just based on the facts of if a team becomes overpowered because, you know, some, some lesser player was given in, in the fact that we thought it was DJ Moore instead of a lesser player. However, with these facts and the arguments presented, I choose to rule in favor of Mr. Sharp. I object. (laughs) I rule in Mr. Nance's favor. Mistrial. Mistrial. I said a mistrial. (laughs) If you have a fantasy court question or trade, Give it to us at uh, uh, Debate on Twitter or hit any one of us up uh, on Twitter. We will take your case, and we probably need to have either one judge or three, but two is just uh, – it will lead to a mistrial like it just did. That was fun. And, Bernie, that was a good – that was a good accent, bro. I don't know why you – well that. That, was, that was just fine. That was just fine for the role. All right. Um, before we get into the Debbie debates, some questions for you specifically, Mr. Jackson. Who's the best C2C value right now in uh, in Campus Canton Leagues? So that's a hard question because C2C ADP is so hard to get a hold of. But but with that question in mind, there's a guy that I love in C2C mid to late rounds, and that man is Pittsburgh wide receiver Jordan Addison. When you look at what he's done on the field, he's a guy that people are sleeping on for some reason. I don't know if it's because he plays for Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's because he plays in the slot. However, last season, all he did was catch 60 passes for 666 yards and four touchdowns, was a slot monster, Was had showed solid hands, solid route running, elusiveness in open space. And for some reason, nobody out there is talking about Mr. Jordan Addison. Um, I think that's a – Huge misplace in judgment. I think he needs to start getting the attention that he deserves and and the respect on his name that he deserves because he, you know, the, the NFL uses these slot guys all the time. They're the, the term slot receiver is not as degraded as, as it once was. So give me all the shares of Jordan Addison that I can get my hands on. Well, uh, I just learned that I will not have Jordan Addison in any leagues. He had 60 receptions last year for 666 yards. He's probably down with Nas X, and I will not be owning him in in any leagues. All right, boys. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Let's do it. I miss these. Matt is shaking. Matt Bruning is shaking his head in a in this is a, a medium where sound is is what is what we need here. But thank you, Bruning. All right. <laughs> Um, I Mr. Jackson. There are a lot of people watching, so video works just as well. Mr. Jackson, we're going to start with you. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, 
USC, all considered high-powered offenses with a great wide receiver core, um, possibly questions at, at quarterback. Do any of these teams have two or more wide receivers, or let's just say two, two wide receivers over 1,000 receiving yards in 2021? What I like about that question, Felix, is you've now opened the door to me and Matt um, talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes, and, and we've got we've got the numbers here tonight, so we're going to roll on it. I think the easy choice here is Ohio State. You've got two great two great receivers for Ohio State. I love I love me some Garrett Wilson. Um, I, I I think he's a guy that is going to have a huge breakout year. Is going to explode even more than he already has. Um, Ohio State's the easy choice here, and that they they easily have two receivers over a thousand yards. However. With that being said, I do like Alabama. I like John Mechie. I've been high on John Mechie all offseason. I think he could be a guy that's going to be that great next first-round receiver for Alabama. And as crazy as it might sound, I really like an incoming freshman by the name of JoJo Earl to come in. And he he most likely won't have 1,000 yards, but he is he is a clone of what I see in Jalen Waddle's game, his returnability, his elusiveness and speed in the open field. And I, I think Alabama is a dark horse to have two great, solid wide receivers for yet another year. I agree. I agree with uh, Mr. Jackson. It's very easy. All right, sorry, I'll go away. Uh, I think it, the Ohio State University and Alabama are the only two I think it happens with because I do believe in – Bryce Young being a very good quarterback, I I think one of those freshmen is going to step up. They've got a good receiving core. I mean, my biggest fear, obviously, with Ohio State is the quarterback position. You know, is it going to be – we all know who I think it's going to be. I believe Kyle McCord is going to win the job. But if it is C.J. Stroud who ends up winning it, I still think that they are going to run the ball a lot with Master Teague and Travion Henderson, which then could limit them to getting there. But, I, I mean, both of those guys – I don't agree with them saying they're the, there are a lot of people saying that they're the best two wide receivers in the nation. I mean, they're in the top 10. Uh, I believe Garrett Wilson's right there with David Bell as my rankings. Uh, David Bell's number one, Garrett Wilson two. Uh, but Chris Olave, I think is like five for me right now. So he's up there, but I don't think he, they're the best two in the nation, but I think they have a very realistic shot of getting to a thousand yards. Cause I think that defense takes a little bit of a step back. The schedule outside of a couple early games is not that difficult for the Buckeyes. Uh, and I do expect that they're going to want their quarterbacks to be in game. Whoever the starter is to be in game the entire time calling plays there. I don't, I don't think they're going to stop scoring at any point. So I don't, um, yes, JSN is going for 1200. Thank you, Boz. Um, I don't know why we all just counted out USC so quickly in that. So USC last year, you know, Drake London is probably the guy there this year. You know, he's never been the wide receiver one in an offense. So we're not, you know, we need to see that he can fill that role, but let's assume that he does, you know, he last year went 33 for five Oh two in six games. They play 12 or 13 game schedule and he sees a slight uptick in targets as a result of being their wide receiver one. I don't see any reason why he doesn't hit a thousand yards. I actually have USC is probably the most likely to have somebody at a thousand because I think that conference is pretty wide open. They're going to pass the ball a ton. And they, so I think Drake London is in USC. Probably when I ranked him here is probably the most realistic option. I think the second most likely is Alabama. I think John Mechie gets to, th- to a thousand easily. Okay, uh, I two don't wide think- receivers, not one. Two oh wide shit. Receivers. Was it? Yeah, that, oh, that's, two wide receivers. Yeah, oh, wow. I totally that's misread why we the question. Two people. Oh, I don't think any of those teams do it then. No, no, no. Two wide receivers good, over a thousand yards. Good, that's not going to happen. Good job, Matt Bruning. Way to read the show sheet. I'm proud of you, buddy. Well, no, te- <laughs> no teams do it. Next question. <laughs> I, I mean, I actually agree with Austin. I think, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson and Mr. Bruning, the Mats. I think you're out of your damn minds as you think two of Ohio State's receivers go over a thousand yard yards for a team that's going to be probably probably run heavy, um, you know, for a first time starting quarterback. So I just don't see that happening, happening. But I mean, let me not say, I mean, I'm saying too many good things about Justin Fields today, but through six games, he, he, he had uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson over 700 yards receiving. I mean, that just shows you um, how, uh, how good of a season he had last season in a truncated in a season truncated by COVID-19. Olave missing a game as well because of COVID. 
Thanks. All right. Um, we got a little game of either or that we like to play around here, and I'm going to start with you, Mr. Jackson, since you are you are our guest. Uh, give us your answer and then elaborate um, as much as you'd like, all right? Either or, Grayson McCall, the option quarterback for Coastal Carolina, or Matt Corral, the gunslinger for Lane Kiffin and, and of the Ole Miss Rebels. Give me, give me Grayson McCall on that all day. Yes, he ran an option offense. I loved his completion percentage. I mean, most there, there were a lot of, of short throws going on for going on in that offense. Um, from from what I from the little that I watched about Coastal Carolina, but I mean, you got a twenty six to three interception ratio, close to a seventy percent completion percentage. When I watched, this is more for me about Matt Matt Corral than it is about Grayson McCall. Um, Corral was supporting probably the. Um, the, the, the highest upside, one of the highest upside receivers in this draft, and Elijah Moore. Um, Elijah Moore, I think, carried him a whole lot more than people are willing to admit. And Matt, Matt Corral would, ha, had some times and some spots where he was up and down, and he did some things right, really right, and he did some things really wrong. So I like what I saw from Grayson McCall more than I did from Matt Corral. Since I mean, I'll jump. Go, go ahead, Bruno. All right. Um, uh, I'm going to go with actually Corral here for, for a couple of reasons. One is that I think that he has a more traditional NFL skill set than Grayson McCall. I like Grayson McCall. I wrote up something for Dynasty Nerds on him very early. I just don't know that he has the NFL arm talent yet. I know that Matt Corral does. The problem is, is he might throw it to the other team. However, 2022 is relatively light on quarterbacks after Rattler and Howe. It's not out of the question that Matt Corral could be the third third quarterback taken in that draft. He is talented enough to be the third quarterback taken. He just needs to get it um, uh, together with his decision-making. But we've seen Jameis Winston, who is just as prone to throwing interceptions, be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. So I'm going to go with uh, Matt Corral here because I've, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain, certain that he is an NFL quarterback. I'm not sure that um that Grayson McCall is just yet. Since this is the show of bad impressions, I'm going to continue doing it. I also like to live dangerously, and that was supposed to be like Austin Powers. Uh, I'm going to go Matt Corral as well. Uh, uh, based on everything Felix said, that I was literally going to say all that. The Jameis Winston thing, I think Corral has better NFL upside, uh, and, and he's going to help you win on the college side this year a lot. I think he's going to put up a ton of points, and I care about that as well. So you get that one great year of college, and I, I do expect him to be drafted in the NFL and, and has what looks to be an NFL uh, future. So I will take Corral. Yeah, I don't know if the NFL is actually going to like McCall or not. If he runs out of a you know a, a, what you know the option or whatever they run there for the next year or two, I, if he never plays in anything pro style, I, I have a hard time believing the NFL likes him. And I think they'll like Corral. I think some team, we just saw a team potentially trade up to three for Mac Jones. You know, it's some some team will fall in love with something about with with his with his skill set, and, and and I think he goes earlier than McCall. So, Austin, let's start with you again. I, I really like this question. We got Demarcus Bowman, who was a five star running back, um, went to Clemson and, and then transferred from Clemson to Florida. Would you take either him? or the under-the-radar three-star prospect who's done nothing but produce at uh, University of Texas El Paso, is that right, for Sincere McCormick? Are you going to take Sincere McCormick or Demarcus Bowman? Well, you totally just mashed those two up there for me. Um, I would rather have Sincere McCormick. I think he's a bit underrated. And you know, amongst the general whatever, you know, I don't think he's he's not an outstanding athlete, you know, whatever you want to say about it. But I think we've seen over the past few years, you don't need to be an outstanding uh, athlete at the position. You just have to be a good athlete, and I think he's a good athlete. I think he can catch the ball. I think he has, you know, the the vision and just that natural feel for for running the football. You can watch him and just see him, you know, manipulate blockers on second and third levels. Uh, we haven't seen any of that out of Bowman just because he hasn't played at all in college. He could be the upside. Maybe the upside for DeMarcus Bowman is a little bit more, you know, five-star guy. He's probably the better athlete. I think that's pretty inarguable. And he's in, you know, at a, at a school that uh, he's going to be surrounded by better talent. You know, McCormick is the offense at uh, UTEP, whereas he's going to, he's a part of the offense at Florida most likely. 
um, with all those things factored in, I, st- I think McCormick is is the better player. I think he's the better prospect at this point in time. In a regular Devi or a C2C draft, either, I would rather have McCormick over Bowman. Mr. Jackson, it is the uh, the University of Texas. The University of They're Texas. San Antonio, aren't they? San, yeah, San Antonio. Yeah. Are you going to take... Uh, are you going to take Demarcus Bowman or Sincere McCormick? Who would you rather have? I'd rather I, I'm with I'm with Austin here. I'd rather have Sincere McCormick just for the sheer fact that I've seen him do it on the football field. I mean, we haven't seen Demarcus Demarcus Bowman do it yet. Um, he's got the speed. I mean, there's no denying his electric ability. You know, a lot of people were comparing him to Travis Etienne and it's just his sheer game speed. But we haven't seen it yet. And from everything that we that we've learned about incoming freshmen into college there at, at best in your best classes you're talking a 30 percent hit rate and i mean we, we've already went above and beyond that and just that loaded 2023 running back class that we've got coming in i don't i, I don't like playing the odds in, in that give me the guy on the field that i've seen do it based on somebody that we haven't seen do it and possibly an already stacked running back class I'm with them. Give me the UTSA Roadrunner and Sincere McCormick. He's going to produce for you this year, and I believe he has some kind of NFL future. I just don't believe in Florida running backs. Bruning, back to you with uh, Zach Charbonnet, the Michigan uh, transferee to UCLA, or Jalen Berger, the sophomore at Wisconsin. Uh, I'm going to go with Charbonnet um, because of the UCLA offense there with Chip Kelly. I know. I mean, I I had to hold back the throw up a little bit as well there. But, uh, you know, since they have Peyton Manning there in Wisconsin at quarterback, I don't expect Jalen Berger to get a lot of run, honestly. I mean, Peyton Manning is going to control that offense. He's going to pass the ball around. Uh, I don't know if he's going to check. He might check the ball down a little bit. Uh, I'm just not sold on on Berger. And Charbonnet has the – they people still believe that he can be the five-star talent. He was a five-star, right? They believe that he could be the talent that he was when he went to Michigan and go into Chip Kelly's offense. We've seen lesser prospects go into the NFL coming out of that system. And I think Charbonnet is one of the better running backs he's had. He's going to get a lot of run this year. So again, helping you on the college side, I think he'll get some run in the NFL. And I've always been person that I want my running backs in the NFL sooner rather than later. So I get him in the NFL next year. So not by much, but give me Zach Charbonnet. I would rather have Berger just because I think he has slightly better footwork, but they're both kind of similar runners. You know, I comp Jalen Berger. I think he reminds me a lot of James Conner in terms of his stiffer upright running style, but it's James Conner. And I'd like, don't mean this like in any sort of like demeaning or crappy way. Cause I'm a huge Pitt and Steelers fan, like post cancer, James Conner. Like, I think we all agree. He was a little more fluid and looked a little more, you know, dynamic before he missed that year um, with cancer. I think Berger does not look like pre that uh, um, Connor. He scares me a little bit with how he runs, but I I still like him a little bit more than Charbonnet, who I think borders on plotter territory. I do want to see what he does at UCLA this year, but um, give me Berger of those two. That question is essentially, do you want the next great Wisconsin running back or do you want a bag of dog shit? That's how I heard that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Jackson, let's come back to you. I really like this question. Um, I'm really high on Mookie Cooper and his ability to uh, be utilized in that Missouri offense. But, man, JoJo Earl, I think a lot of people in the in the Devi and, and C2C community are excited about him. But Mookie Cooper is just as athletic. Who are you taking, Mookie Cooper or JoJo Earl? Give me all the JoJo Earl I can get my hands on this season. I mean, his just what he does in the open field is dynamite. I mean, he's electric in the open field. He he's got some ability to even at his size to go up and high point the ball and to go up and get it. And that's something that I, I take I value really highly. Um, he he's got the chops to be to slide in to fill that Jalen Water role, and I think he's going to do that with you know wonderfully. I think he's going to be exceptional at that role. So. I'm giving. I'm getting all the JoJo Earl this offseason that I can get my hands on, and I'm not looking back. For shame, for shame, sir. Mookie Cooper all day long is going to be the number one in that offense. They've got nobody else to throw the ball to. I don't even know if JoJo Earl is going to catch a pass this year at Alabama. Is he going to start? We don't know. 
Jojo World's got a ton of talent, but I, I well, I can't say I've seen it out of Mookie Cooper because I haven't, but I believe in Mookie Cooper. Give me the former Ohio State Buckeye. And uh, I, I, plus, well, you obviously don't have the access to the ADP that I do, but getting him like 15 rounds later than Jojo Earl helps a lot in that as well. So the value question is really hard, but Jojo Earl, I think, is going to be one of my favorite players in college football um, this this season. And that Alabama team has an opening um, for a, a player with his skill set. I think the you know he would be complete competing with Slade Bolden for the slot there. And I think he could do some things that uh, that Slade Bolden can't do. Austin, I'm assuming that you're taking JoJo Earl here, but. Yeah, I would take Earl. Um, I do think, Matt, you're making some dangerous assumptions that Cooper is going to be the number one guy in Missouri this year. Um, <clears throat> they have, uh, what's his name that's returning? Um, is it Jalen like Knox is their big guy? Dangerously. <laughs> I should have known that was coming. Um, and they have um, uh, Jordan Matt. No, not Jordan Matthews. Who was the wide receiver that played for Missouri there like a decade ago that went to the NFL and was really good? J- Jeremy Macklin? Yes, Jeremy Macklin's brother is there too. So yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that Mookie Cooper is the number one wide receiver there. You want to make a show bet? Mookie are we just Cooper talking? Are we just talking yes. this year? Yes. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk after the show because we're running long. Yes. Let's talk after the show. Perfect. Yeah, cool. Yes. We'll, we'll yes. get show, but all right. All right. Um, let's do. Let's do one of these. I'm going to give you and Matt Jackson. We'll start with you. Either, neither, or both. I'm going to make a statement. You tell me either. Either one is right, or both, or or neither. Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler uh, both make the playoff this year. Spencer Rattler does, Sam Howell does not. And that's because I watch Carolina football every single year and they always find a way to screw up a playoff chance. (laughs) I will take the either and Sam Howell because I'll say the same thing about Oklahoma. They always find a way to screw that up. I I don't think North Carolina is going to be as good as we think they are this year. That's just a prediction that I'm throwing out. I could see them like being the disappointing top you know, whatever they they are in preseason, top seven or so, 10, whatever we give them. But either, I, neither, or both. So now either. let's trash on North Carolina. I I eithered it. I don't know what you wanted out of that. Besides that, yeah, I don't. I don't think North Carolina is going to be very good either. I'm sorry, I'd do the same thing that Austin did, and and I and I've got um, uh, Oklahoma winning a national championship this year. I think I've said that uh, a bunch of times um, on this show. Yeah, a lot of lost so many uh, offensive starters. I mean they they've lost two thousand yards. They've lost two two receivers. I mean they've got new guys coming in. How are you going to bring a bunch of new guys in and go immediately to the playoffs? I just don't see it. One more before the show's final question. One more, either, neither, or both. Bryce Young and JT Daniels, both of them, may, uh, are Bryce Young or JT Daniels, make the playoffs. Either, neither, or both, Matt Jackson. That's the either, again, with, with Bryce Young. I love Bryce Young's talent. I think he's going to immediately step in and be, be the next great quarterback that we see in college football. I, I you know, we we talked about him on the Debbie Happy the Debbie Happy Hour. Shaq, whenever he was with us, comped him to um, the next Patrick Mahomes, and we thought that was a little crazy. But I can I, you 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 can see glimpses of some of the stuff Patrick Mahomes does in Bryce Young's game. Gave me Bryce Young, JT Daniels. I don't know who's going to throw the ball to. I don't know what that offense is going to look like. So I don't think JT Daniels is going to do it with that Georgia team. I will say either, and I will go JT Daniels. I think this is it. Kyle Francis, Felix, you guys have kind of swayed me to Georgia being a very good team this year. That defense, I think, is going to be better than Alabama's. I do agree with Matt that I'm a little bit worried about what they're going to do on that offense, but if JT Daniels doesn't turn the ball over, he's 10 times better than I don't even know my next-door neighbor that was out there throwing passes for Georgia earlier this year. I think JT Daniels can lead Georgia past Alabama, which is all it's going to take to get them into a playoff. Bama's vulnerable this year. I really think they are. They lose a lot this year. Um, and the one, their one saving grace, and this is why I think, you know, I, there, there's, a, there's a universe where Georgia and Bama are playing in the SEC championship game and they're both undefeated. Right. Because Bama, like if you look at Bama's SEC schedule, they, are, they have Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, 
Tennessee, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Florida. And Ole Miss. Like Texas, uh, you know, they, they're catching Tennessee at an awful time, LSU at an awful time, Auburn, new coaching staff, Bo Nix, whatever. Texas A&M loses, loses their quarterback. Florida loses everything on offense. So I, you know, while they're vulnerable, the cards, you know, the deck is still kind of stacked in their favor this year. And I think if they both get to the SEC championship game undefeated, the winner, it doesn't matter. I think they both make the playoff. So I'm going to say both. Yeah, I'll say both too. All right. Um, one last question. One last question, the time-honored tradition here on the Debbie Debate. Mr. Jackson, you have the honors because we have all answered this question for about three months straight, it feels like. Mr. Jackson, are you taking Buston Fields or Zach Wilson? I don't know if I want to answer that question because I don't want to upset the host. <laughs> Give me – Which one? You're upsetting one either way, so yeah. – <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to upset Felix. <laughs> I have all the power, so that's all right. See, look at this. Hey, there we go. <laughs> there we go. It's a safe space now. <laughs> give me give me Justin Fields. I don't buy into the narrative. Yes, he, he appears to be a one-read quarterback. He appears to throw to the receivers once they become open. A lot of that was schemed into the way Ohio State ran its offense. I still think Justin Fields is the second-best quarterback in this draft. Yes, Zach Wilson is athletic. Yes, he throws a beautiful deep ball. Yes, he extends plays and can throw off platform well. But give me the guy that's done it at a higher level. Give me Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. I have to throw this out there since Felix decided not to ask our guest last week. Both Carl and Boz are fields. Both fields. I feel like that's why you didn't ask because you didn't want to be outnumbered. All right, so. Before we close out the show, I have to make a statement really quick to Mr. Jackson. You've been awesome in the Debbie community. I appreciate it. It's been fun getting to know you and, and, and talking with you and everything. And so from Carl, Boz, Nate, and myself, we would like to welcome you to the program, League 3. You are the first entrant. You're actually the only person who doesn't know that you're in yet. We wanted to wait to announce it live tonight. <laughs> I have sent your coaching offer letter to your Twitter DM. I'll link the bylaws to you as well. We're excited to get you into League 3. And again, thank you for being an awesome part of this community. Let's go. I'm excited about it, man. Uh, I've, been, I've been looking forward to it. I've been I beat myself over the head for not getting into it last year, so I'm excited. Congratulations to Mr. Jackson. You can find our written content at campusdecanton.com. We got some player profiles, some really cool, uh, really cool Google story uh, about our top uh, 12 in Superflex leagues. That's available now at campusdecanton.com. Follow the show. Uh, on Twitter at Debbie Debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning, for Matt Jackson, for Austin Nace. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter.
Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.